Welcome to the eighth season of Sherry's Playhouse. Tonight, we welcome uh, Mary D. Brooks' latest uh, radio play. It's called The Light That Shines in the Darkness. It's the second episode of the award-winning Beyond the Gates. Enjoy. In our previous episode, in Beyond These Gates, Episode 1, Crossroads, we met a woman of indomitable spirit, Dr. Stella Nikos Lambros. Set during the summer of 1917 in Athens, Greece, Stella was sent to St. Gregory's Home for the Infirm, an institution caring for the mental well-being of their patients. Stella was a joyous personality with an unconventional approach to medicine. She defied the abject sorrow of her surroundings and cared more for her patients than what people thought of her. In this environment, Stella met Teresa Tessa Mitos, a gifted artist plagued with visions of the future. Stella's penchant for breaking the rules led her to make a decision that will have life-changing repercussions in episode two the light that shines in the darkness. Act One, Stella Lambros' apartment, Athens, Greece. The room was filled with a golden light from the lamps. The outside world was non-existent and Stella Nikos Lambros didn't want to move. She knew they had to get back to the hospital. She had wrapped her arms around Tessa Mitos as they lay in her bed. In a few hours, the Tessa that she had fallen in love with will be gone. Stella only had a few hours to savor the moment. Stella's birthday outing wasn't what she had in mind. Tessa had turned the tables on her, which was a surprise. Instead of an enjoyable couple of hours of good company, cake, and peace, she was making love to Tessa. Stella hoped Tessa would remember this day after her life-altering surgery, the surgery to change Tessa's abilities to see visions of the future. Stella was certain the surgery would not achieve what Tessa was after. She had met people who had had visual gifts. They were not possessed by demons or anything else other than a gift of prophecy. Close your eyes and stop thinking so loudly. Did I tire you out? I thought you were asleep. No, I wasn't asleep. I was replaying everything in my mind. So I will never forget you. Don't forget the bit where you kissed me first. We have to get up and go back. Your sister is coming back to have dinner with you. She arranged a special meal. Mm, Daphne is melodramatic. It's not as if I'm going to the gallows and I need a last meal. Oh, let me stay in your arms just a little bit longer. Tessa turned into Stella's embrace and was inches away from her. She smiled and kissed Stella tenderly before she playfully blew Stella's pink-tinged hair away from her face. They are going to operate to stop the visions, and hopefully my memories of you and this day will never disappear. Are you trying to convince yourself or me that everything will be all right? I have to believe that everything will be fine because there is no other solution. Speaking of gifts, 
you are a gifted woman yourself. <laughs> well, thank you. I've forgotten what it felt like to love someone so deeply. You love me? I love you. I never believed in love at first sight, but this was the second time in my life I felt so quickly. I've had male and female lovers, but... How many lovers have you had? Do you prefer men or women? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> Stella, you can't love men and women. It's either one or the other. Who told you that you can't love both? There are only two people in this world that I have fallen in love with. Timothy and you. Don't make the mistake that lust equals love. Lust is short-lived. Love is hard to find. You can love both men and women. You don't love men the way I do. Uh, you never gave any indication that you liked women. You haven't seen my sketchbook, have you? <clears throat> now I'm curious to see what's in that sketchbook. Can I see it when we get back? Of course, if you want. I'm afraid I didn't give you my maidenhood. Your what? I am not a virgin. I gave Carl my own maidenhood. <laughs> I'm not your priest. You don't have to confess to me. As far as I'm concerned, it's not a sin. Your maidenhood? My goodness, what a polite way to say that you lost your virginity to a boy. Is Carl going to give you a birthday present when you get back? Mustala, I don't love Carl like that. He is my best friend and... It was only one time. You don't have to justify having sex. Goodness. Did you enjoy it? No. I prefer girls to boys. And after the day, I definitely know I prefer girls. I thought that maybe if I was with a boy, I like boys, but I'm not attracted to them in that way. You had to check... No, it's not that. I mean, I wanted to see if I had if the visions ended if I made love to Carl. All my troubles would end. Oh, I thought my visions were a curse from God because I love girls. You have your special gifts because you are attracted to girls? You think it's a curse? Goodness. No one is cursed because they love another human being. I wasn't sure. I've had dreams of kissing you. I drew you in my sketchbook. I did everything not to think about you, although drawing you didn't help that process. I thought about you so much that I started having visions of you kissing me. How much of that was real? I believe we found out how much of that was real today. I'm not complaining that I was being lusted after. Goodness, I uh, I did a fair bit of thinking about you. You were my doctor and it was wrong. I thought you didn't like girls. I wasn't really your doctor. I just took over while your own doctor had a bout of influenza. So what happened after you found out that you didn't like having sex with boys? I didn't enjoy it and the visions didn't stop. I have a secret to tell you. You like girls? I don't think that's a secret. I had a vision before we left the garden. And it came true when we got here. 
You seemed happy when we left. So, while I was rumbling about cakes, you were seeing us making love? It's a sexy cinema all in your mind. Tessa's gray eyes widened Stella's bluntness once again. It wasn't what she said, but how she expressed herself that made Tessa feel like kissing her again. She gave in to the impulse. For a moment, Tessa felt embarrassed and buried her head under the covers. That sounds ridiculous. I do think I needed to check for Accept the visions for what they are. There has to be a reason why you got them. Maybe it's like those stories of people who had the gift of prophecy after Jesus rose from the dead and went to heaven. There are people like you out there. Their gifts may be different or the same, but they are gifted just like you are. Do you accept everything abnormal thing that comes your way? Do you not pass judgment on why that person is the way they are? The goddess didn't bring me into this world to judge others. I'm not going to curse you for being a lesbian or for having impossibly beautiful gray eyes. Those two things are not similar. Why not? What if gray eyes were an abomination in our society, and only those with blue, green, and brown were accepted? See how absurd that sounds? You're not responsible for your gray eyes, or your height, or your beauty. Alas, our society does hate what is different, and like the poor witches of Salem, they choose to punish us for something we can't control. You are extraordinary. I have not met anyone like you before. The goddess put me on this earth to be different than others, and I've accepted that I will never be what society wants me to be. This whole goddess belief is real to you, isn't it? I thought the goddess thing was just to make people think that you were unconventional. People steer clear of those that are different to them. I have believed in the goddess since I was a teenager in Farsala. She is real to me. I didn't believe in a goddess instead of a god to rebel against my parents and their Christian beliefs. I love my parents. I'm unconventional because I don't like copying what others do. I don't care about society and what they think or their order of things. How many people know the real you? I don't hide who I am, but most people don't look past the pink-colored hair. I'm too strange for them, so they snicker and call me Crazy Stella. I don't conform to their ideas of what proper women should be. Even my name makes them uncomfortable. I married Timothy and kept my maiden name. It was quite a scandal, even in my family. My brother Dion was apoplectic. <laughs> Stella fell back against the pillows and laughed heartily. Tessa merely gazed at her in an awe at the audacity. All I did was not to take this Nikas as my family name. I detested that ritual. It's not as if you become their slave once you marry them. No, I am the wife of Timothy Nikas, and my name is Stella Lambros. Now, of course, I'm not averse to taking on the name when it suits me. After Timothy died, my father-in-law urged me to work at his hospital and continue the work of helping shell-shocked soldiers to heal. Out of respect for him, I added Nikas to my name. He must have been an extraordinary man. He was worthy of you. 
we were two halves of a whole. I felt lost without him and closed myself off from wanting to fall in love with anyone else. That's silly, because when the heart wants something, the heart will get it. The heart wants many things. You are in my bed, and we made love. Your heart wanted this as much as mine. The heart won. Today has been one of the happiest days of my life. The goddess sent you. I would have liked to have more than one day with you, but that's all I'm going to get. All I ask is that you think of today, and it makes you happy. I will remember everything about you. Stella was stopped mid-sentence when her next-door neighbor, Mrs. Pappas, voice came through the front door, followed by her incessant banging. Stella? 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 Are you in there? Stay here. I'll close the door and get rid of Mrs. Pappas. Stella scrambled off the bed and threw on her robe. She quickly kissed Tessa and closed the bedroom door on her way out. She made her way to the front door and opened it to reveal her distraught neighbor. What's the matter? Your yelling is going to wake the dead. The hospital is on fire. Mrs. Papa, please don't yell. What are you talking about? Oh my goodness, I'm going to die right now. You can see the flames from my windows. St. Gregory is on fire. Come and see it. Mrs. Pappas took Stella's hand and practically dragged her into her own apartment and to the window. St. Gregory's was on fire. Large plumes of black smoke were billowing into the sky. Stella was rendered speechless. She left the wailing Mrs. Pappas and made her way inside her apartment, mindful to close the front door and run into the bedroom. Stella quickly dressed and thought of the poor souls in the locked wards. It was too horrific to think about. She was right. St. Gregory's is on fire. I have to go down there. My vision. Stella, my vision is coming through. What vision are you talking about? I saw St. Gregory on fire. Oh, my friend, you are going into the fire. I'm not going into the fire. The firefighters are. Stella, I was destined to die in that fire, but now I am here and not there. You, you have changed my path. I don't know what's going to happen now. Welcome to those who can't see the future, my love. Stay here. Don't open the door. I don't know what time I'll be home or if I will be home tonight. I want to come with you. What? No, you can't. You're not supposed to be out of the hospital grounds. You can't go. They will surely know that I was with you. I have to say, Carl, that's the reason I had the vision. He and everyone else are going to die in the fire. But because we changed our future, maybe their future is also changed. They won't ask me in the middle of a fire. If they ask, I will say I brought you back. You can't go. Please, Tessa, you can't leave. Stay here. Please. Save them. Maybe you can change the future and keep them alive. Stella lovingly kissed Tessa before racing out of the apartment. Firecrush raced down the street towards the hospital, and Stella ran right after them. Goddess, give me the courage to face what is coming. Act Two. St. Gregory's, home for the infirm, Athens, Greece. The acrid 
burning smell permeated the air as Stella raced down the street to get to the hospital. Fire trucks rode past her with their horns blaring. A pungent aftertaste of smoke made her violently cough as she brought her handkerchief to cover her nose and mouth. There were so many trucks and people blocking the entrance to the hospital. She did the only thing she could think of. She pushed her way through. Stella made it past the gates to find the hospital ablaze. Not just a small wing of the building, but the entire hospital. Firefighters and neighbors were pitching in to douse the fire, but it had taken hold. She spotted Dr. Canadas, whose normally pristine white coat was covered in soot and blood. Dr. Nicholas, we thought we lost you. Sir, your face is burnt. No time to treat my minor wounds, Doctor. Please, help our patients. We must save them. Triage those who are going to live from those we can't save. Get to work, Dr. Nicholas. No sooner had Canadas issued his plea, Stella watched in horror as her patient, George, came rushing out of the burning building with someone in his arms. George was covered by a sheet, and the corner of the material was literally on fire. I rescued Alexandros, Dr. Canadas. Where is Dr. Canadas? Dr. Stella! Stella grabbed the nearest bucket that was filled with water and doused the burning sheet. George, oblivious to the fire, gently lay Alexandros on the grass. Stella's tears traced down her cheeks as she knelt beside the body of her shell-shocked patient. Alexandros' face was barely recognizable. He had lost his final battle. She could only imagine the terror he felt as he fought to escape. George knelt beside Alexandros and put his hand over his chest. I tried, Dr. Stella. I tried. He's still alive, isn't he? No. We lost him, Georgie. He was trying to find others to save. He couldn't see, but he was trying. I found him. He didn't want to leave until he found Miss Lita. He was saying he could hear her, but I couldn't. All I heard was the fire. I saved him. He can't be dead. He's dead. The fire killed him. But you brought him out. And that is courageous. No. No, Dr. Stella. I saved him. Stella reached over and tenderly touched George's face, which had a nasty burn across his cheek. She managed to stop him from moving long enough to assess the burn, but the gentle giant was having none of that. He got up and went to the nearest bucket and doused himself in water before he turned back to Stella. You save him. I know you can save him. He's alive. I'm going to go in and bring out more people for you to save. No, Georgie! Before Stella had a chance to grab onto George to prevent him from bolting back in, he escaped a grasp. He stopped on hearing Stella's warning. Dr. Canadas came running up to Stella and yanked on her coat. Dr. Nicholas, get over here. I need you. George is going into the fire, Dr. Canadas. We have to stop him. That's not your job. Let the firemen do their job. Yours is to save lives. I'm trying to save his life. Leave him be. He's doing the work of angels. He will come out when he is ready and needs our help. He is going to be dead by then. Help the living, Dr. Nicholas. That's your job. I'm doing the work of angels, Dr. Stella. I can't stop. I have to rescue more. I have to rescue Carl and Tessa. I have to rescue more so you can save them. 
George draped the sheet he had with him over himself and avoided the fireman who tried to stop him. Stella was on the verge of running to catch George himself, but she heard Tessa's voice. Don't, Stella. I can't lose you. Don't go into the fire. Stella was stunned and spun around to find Tessa, but she wasn't there. She felt lightheaded and sat down on the grass. She heard Tessa's voice as if she was there with her. It had to be Tessa. She didn't imagine it. Stella shook her head and turned in time to see the upstairs floor ceiling explode. Goddess, protect him. Firemen, doctors, and the public were on hand to try and get as many people out of the building, a building that was purposely built to keep people inside. Stella methodically went from patient to patient, and then the members of the public who tried to help. It was a losing battle. She kept looking back at the entrance, hoping George would come out. But she was pulled away by more patients and firemen who needed her help. Dr. Nikas. Stella let out a frustrated groan. Of all the people she didn't want to speak to, Daphne Mitos was on the top of the list. Stella was wet, covered in mud, and her yellow skirt had turned all shades of red and pink. She was tired and had little patience for Daphne. Dr. Nikas! Don't yell at me! Yes, what do you want, Miss Mitos? As you can see, I have work to do. Take a moment to speak to me, or else... Stella wiped the blood from her hands on her skirt and gazed up at Daphne. She pushed her dirty bangs out of her eyes. What else what? We are trying to save everyone. I don't have time. Where is my sister? Go over to that tent. We have nurses talking to family. Where is my sister? You were the last one to see her, were you not? Stella's patience evaporated, and despite their height difference, she took one a step forward and looked up at Daphne. Can you see what is going on around you? Can you? I don't know where Tessa is. Dr. Nicholas, is there a problem? Stella swore under her breath on seeing Dr. Canada's approaching. That's all she needed right now. Daphne Mitos was not going to go away. And Dr. Candace was not going to stand for this interruption when there was so much work to do. Stella wasn't sure who she wanted to yell at first. Miss Mitzos, as you can see, we're in the middle of a fire. Please, go to the nurse's station. Dr. Candace made a mistake by taking hold of Daphne's arm. She quickly spun about and glared at the doctor who was shorter than she was. Take your hand off me, Dr. Candace. You're fortunate that I don't have you arrested for assaulting me. I'm trying to find my sister. My apologies, Miss Mitsos, but I am trying to get all my doctors to help the injured. Dr. Nicholas can't spare the time to talk to you. There are other family members who are patiently waiting for news. I will be one moment. That is all I ask. Dr. Canada shook his head and motioned for Stella to quickly answer Daphne's questions before he left. Stella wanted him to stand up to Daphne instead of feeding her to the wolf. Stella sighed and braced herself for the onslaught that was to come. You don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You took her out into the garden as I requested, didn't you? I did, but Krimis, one of the porters, was outside while we were there. And what? 
Didn't you pay him to look away? Uh, no, I, I was called away and Krimis took her inside. I didn't anticipate him being there, so we didn't leave the ground like you asked me to. Stella heard herself utter the words. She was on safe ground. There was no way to verify her story unless the dead could speak. Clemus had perished in the fire, and unless there was a Jesus-like resurrection, she wasn't going to contradict her story. She was horrified about the lies she was telling the distraught sister, but she didn't want Tessa to be found. I paid you to make my sister happy. Again, I'm going to remind you you didn't pay me anything. I don't have time for this. You had one job that was far more important than anything else. What did you say? This hospital is full of people who need my help. Tessa was one of those people. And to say she was more important than... I paid you to take her out. Why didn't you take her out? You didn't pay me. I didn't want your money. Daphne was furious and her face was contorted in rage. Stella was short in stature. But the fact that Daphne was trying to intimidate her only made her angry. Daphne had taken a few steps forward and was as close to Stella as possible without touching her. Six feet of rage was in front of her, but Stella stood her ground. Go over there and ask the nurse. You said you were going to take her out. We don't always get what we want. Stella wanted to slap herself. She wouldn't have blamed Daphne if she had shoved her into the fire. At that moment, Stella knew why she didn't want Daphne to know. It wasn't because Tessa would have the surgery, nor was it because she had broken the rules, but because Stella was selfish. She didn't want Tessa to be taken away just like her Timothy had been taken away. She wasn't ready to lose the woman she had fallen in love with. She lied. Stella knew that lie would cause untold pain to Tessa's family, but in that moment, surrounded by death and the wailing of the living, Stella thought of the loss she would experience. Was it right? She knew it was wrong. Every fiber of her being knew it was wrong. But the words out of her mouth betrayed her true feelings. She didn't want to lose Tessa, and she didn't want them to destroy the beautiful soul that she had found and fallen in love with. Stella blinked as the tears threatened to fall and stared into Daphne's steely blue eyes that gazed back at her. You are lying to me. I don't care whether you think I'm lying or not. Go over there to the nurse and ask. Tessa may have been taken to the hospital. We've had several ambulances here that are taking burn victims. Which hospital? Um, I don't know where they are going, but the nurse will know. Are you sure she's not here? Oh, goddess, you are infuriating. I don't know where she is. I came back to find the building on fire. Where were you? You were not here when the fire started. Didn't I just say I wasn't here? I had an errand to run. Stella tried to stop herself from talking too much, but when she was flustered, she couldn't help herself. Daphne's accusatory eyes bore into hers. Everything she said was a lie. She must be inside. Did her friend Carl make it out? I don't know. 
go to the nurse and find out. Stella watched Daphne leave and sighed in relief that she wasn't going to lie again. She knew what grief would do to Daphne and her family. The agony of losing her sister was going to be deep. Stella wanted to call her back and tell her the truth, but chose not to. Goddess, forgive me for what I have done. Act three, St. Gregory's Home for the Infirm, Athens, Greece. Stella and Dr. Savadis had worked in tandem while the other doctors and nurses were treating the firemen and family members. Stella heard someone yelling and turned to find George coming out of the fire. The man mountain cradled his friend in his arms. George stumbled onto the grass and collapsed. Georgie, you're burnt. I tried, Dr. Stella. I tried. I know you did, Georgie. Rest now. He didn't want to come out until he found Tessa. We searched, but it was hot. I had to drag him out, and then we fell, and... Go and make him better, Dr. Stella. I'm all right. Make him better and save him. Stella ignored George's pleas and tried to put some salve on his burns, but he smacked her hands away. He pushed her towards Carl. Stella motioned for Dr. Savidus to come over and then went to the still body of Carl Steigler. She lay on the grass next to him and leaned into his ear. Can you hear me? Carl turned his head and tried to smile, but it turned into a disfigured snarl. He opened his eyes and met Stella's gaze. You're going to be all right, Carl. You're Yes, I'm terrible at it, but I have something to tell you. Carl kept his eyes on her. Tears ran down his burnt cheek, and Stella tried to scream into the night of the unfairness of it all, but she held herself in check. This wasn't about her, but the love Carl had for Tessa. Stella leaned closer to whisper her secret to him. Tessa is alive, Carl. No. Yes, she's alive, and she's back in my apartment. She's alive. Poor Stella sighed. She was in a bind. She had to prove to a dying man that the love of his life was safe. A dying man who asked her for proof. She could make something up, but the idea of lying to Carl was something she couldn't live with, and Tessa would never forgive her. Tessa told me what a gentle lover you are. You put her mind at rest by making love to her, and she knew those visions were not because she liked girls. Carl's eyes widened in wonderment, and Stella knew that it was the right thing to say. She had broken a rule she had about not revealing her private conversations. Rules were meant to be broken if they were to save others. Stella gently wiped the tears that were flowing down her cheeks. I will take care of Tessa. I give you my word. I will look after her. <laughs> she loves you. She loves us both, Carl. I love you because you took care of her. One day we will all meet again. Carl's face contorted into grimace. Stella watched helplessly as Carl took his last breath and passed away. 
Stella fought back tears as she tenderly kissed his forehead. She heard George's cough and reluctantly let go of Carl's body and got off the wet grass. George was having a hard time breathing, and she rushed to him. Stella was angry to find Daphne hadn't disappeared and was down on her haunches trying to talk to him. Did they find Tessa? For the love of all things holy, will you just go away? The poor boy just died. No, he can't be dead. <laughs> I saved him. To Stella's surprise, Daphne had turned back and was kneeling beside George. We couldn't find her. Carl didn't want to leave without her. We were her friends, and we couldn't leave without her. Stella got up from where she was trying to treat George and shoved Daphne out of the way. What is wrong with you? The man is burnt. What is wrong with me? I'm looking for my sister. No one knows where she is. That's impossible. Mit Mitzos. A lot has happened over these past few hours, and people are working hard to help. Your sister may be at a hospital, and the nurse forgot to add her name. It's possible. I won't ever stop trying to find her. I know she's alive. May your God help you find her. Daphne turned momentarily to walk away, but something stopped her. Stella watched her turn to face her. Before you left my sister with Clemens, what was the last thing you said to her? I told her that the things would be all right and there was nothing to fear. Did she believe you? I think she did. Your sister is, I mean, was extraordinary and she loved you. I'm sorry for not taking her out and sparing her the horrors of this fire. It's not your fault. Unless you started the fire. I did not. You have nothing to be sorry about. I just have to find Clemens to find out what happened after you left him. Unfortunately, you won't be able to talk to him. Clemens died trying to get patients out. Daphne walked away and Stella hoped that was the last time she saw Tessa's sister. She looked around at the tired firefighters and the distraught survivors and her families. The fires were still raging, and despite their best efforts, they had lost the battle. So much so that the fires had jumped onto two other buildings. If hell existed, this would be what it was like. George was having a hard time breathing, and she rushed to his side. His burns were extensive, especially to his chest, face, arms, and legs. Stella wanted to throw up from the pungent smell of his charred flesh. She forced herself not to think about her own brush with fire and shoved the memory away. You are a hero today, Georgie. George lay on his back and looked up at Stella. There was nothing she could do for the gentle giant, nothing she could do for any of them now. Do you know what today is, Georgie? Today is July 17th, 1917, in the year of our Lord. And General George fought the Battle of St. Gregory. He fought courageously. I'm General George. You are the one and only General George. Stella's voice broke with emotion as she held George's burnt hand. This gentle giant, who had done nothing to deserve being locked away, was a hero. 
His happy face greeted her every morning, no matter how he was feeling. He always had a smile on his face. It hurts. I know, Georgie. In a little while, you won't be in any pain anymore. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> yes, Georgie, you're going to heaven. Tell Mama I died in battle. Stella couldn't hold back her tears, but she forced herself to reassure George. I will tell your mama you are the bravest of all men tonight. You are worthy of all the generals and heroes of Greece. When you go to heaven, there's a special place for brave men, my dear boy. I want you to know that there will be another brave man waiting for you. His name is Timothy. Don't worry, he will come looking for you. He's a tall man, just like you, with sandy hair and blue eyes like a summer sky. Timothy is my husband. I promise he will take care of you. George gazed at her. His eyes brimming with tears and a smile came to his face as Stella gently clasped his hand. He squeezed her hand for a moment before she felt it go slack. Stella watched her friend pass away. She had lost so many tonight. She had been repeatedly admonished to not form attachments to her patients, but she refused to listen. They need to be loved, was her retort. Stella was determined never to stop caring for her patients. She would continue to love them and be their protector. She had to go on, had to get up from the ground and tend to those that needed her. She got up, wet and heartbroken. God had taken her Timothy and so many more, but she had bested him this time. Death did not come for her Tessa. Act 4 Stella Lambros' apartment, Athens, Greece. It was well past midnight when Stella walked slowly back to her apartment. She was dirty and tired, and the short trip seemed endless. Every step was hard, every breath she took hurt. She needed a bath and a cry for all the lost souls that had been taken by the evil being that was worshipped all around her. Mrs. Pappas met her at the door to the apartment block. No words were spoken. Mrs. Pappas took her in her arms and held her for a long moment. Stella walked to her apartment. No sooner had she entered, she saw Tessa by the window. They stood in silence until Stella felt her knees give out and Tessa held her up before she hit the floor. She lay on the floorboards and sobbed in Tessa's arms. She needed to cry before she could speak. St. Gregory's is destroyed. I know. It was carnage, Tessa. Absolute carnage. Not enough water, too many died, not enough nurses, not enough doctors. What about? They died in my arms. All died as heroes. Alexandros tried to save Lily, but George didn't get to him in time to save him. Carl went looking for you and then tried to save others. Georgie, oh Georgie, that gentle man, 
He went in to save as many as he could. He was unstoppable. He went in to save as many as he could until he couldn't fight any longer. You couldn't have saved them, Stella. It was just them to be. I have been grieving for them since I had my vision. They were alive in them. They were gone. The hospital was devoured as if a, a portal to hell had opened up. I'd never seen anything like it. The fire seemed to have a mind of its own and tore through the building so quickly. I saw Daphne in my vision, and I know my sister. She won't stop looking for me. She will never quit unless she finds proof I'm dead. Daphne is relentless. Oh, it's understandable. She didn't believe a word I said to her. Do you appear tomorrow and tell her you are safe? As you said, she won't stop. As much as I want to ease her grief, no. I don't want to go back. That leads to another problem. <laughs> Good. I thought we had solved all our problems. Daphne won't get over my death. But she will have to move on. She will marry the shepherd boy and find happiness. We just have to prove that I died in the fire. Tessa unfastened the gold cross she wore. She gazed at it for a moment and placed it in Stella's hand. Stephanie gave this to me for my birthday. She said God would protect me. She was right, because he sent you. Bury it in the debris and have someone find it. Daphne isn't stupid. She will know. She will believe I'm dead when someone finds the cross. Only then will she stop looking. She has been my protector and my best friend. I don't want to hurt her or my parents. I don't want to go back to how it used to be. I don't want to lose myself and not have you in my life. This is an enormous decision, my love. Are you sure this is what you want? You said the visions were part of me. There has to be a reason for them. I want to believe that. I could tell my parents I don't want the surgery, but that won't stop them. I also don't want to lose you. You nearly did lose me tonight. I was going to go after George, but you stopped me. I heard your voice in my head. You heard that? I knew you were going to do something. Was I destined to die tonight? Is that why you sent me the message? Yes, you were going to die. I saw you running into that burning building in my vision, and I just knew that you were about to do it. How did you know at that very moment? I didn't know what I was going to do until I started to move. I don't know. I just thought about it and right after. I felt calm and wasn't afraid that you would get hurt because you listened to me. Stella stared at Tessa, slack-jawed on hearing the matter-of-fact way she recounted a moment in time she shouldn't have known about. She was destined to die, and because someone with an extraordinary gift saved her, she was alive. It was beyond comprehension.
It's terrifying, isn't it? I, I'm in awe of your power. It's like watching a play in the audience and you are the only one with the script. Yes. But without the power to do anything about what you see. I know how Carl, Georgie, and Alexandros died. Without the fire's heat. I saw you bravely fighting for people to live. I saw you raging at God. I saw everything. How do you cope with knowing what's going to happen? I haven't been coping. That's why I wanted the operation. I don't know how it started. But it has been there my whole life. It's terrifying. And I wouldn't blame you if you didn't want to be with me. Are you sure you don't want me to go back to my family? I think it's a little late to be asking me that, don't you think? Are you trying to scare me away? Oh, sweetheart, you've fallen in love with the wrong girl. I will never run away from you. You have never encountered anyone like me, Stella? I know you are brave. You never give up. But what I possess is beyond abnormal. You think you are the only one that sees visions? You are not, but your gift is impressive. I've had dealings with spiritualists. After Timothy died, I went to a few to see if they can help me speak to Timothy. Some were charlatans, but there was this one woman who told me things that only Timothy knew. How did she know? I don't know, but she did. And she also said that... A tall, dark-haired woman will come into your life and sweep you off your feet. <laughs> you shouldn't mock a fellow gifted one. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. She said, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I knew it was from the Bible, but I didn't know what it meant. Until tonight. When I told you not to go after George? What does that have to do with light in the darkness? You are the light in the darkness, my love. If I had not taken you away from the hospital, if we had not stayed longer in my apartment than we should have, if I had followed George, both of us would be dead. That's why I'm not going to run away. You are my light. I don't want to walk away. And whatever happens... You are stuck with me. It's too late to run away. It's too late to run away? That's the most romantic thing you've said to me. (laughs) Come on, my shining light. I'm tired. Let's go to bed because I can't keep my eyes open any longer. Dawn broke over Athens as the smoldering shell of St. Gregory's home for the infirm was no more. Tessa stood in front of the gates, the only thing that remained standing. The vision morphed into a vast open field. Heavy dark clouds hovered above. A figure dressed in black brushed past her and walked through the throng of people as he passed. They fell and died. Watch out that the light in you is not extinguished. 
because the darkness is coming and many will fall. What? Tessa turned around, but she didn't see the figure who had spoken to her. She saw bodies all around her instead. As far as she could see, her vision ended abruptly, and she was back in the darkened bedroom. Stella was asleep next to her. Tessa snuggled up against her and sighed. You are wrong, my love. You are the light that shines in the darkness. She wasn't talking about me. Tessa smiled, closed her eyes, and thanked God for the woman beside her. She would have someone by her side. The diminutive, fearless Stella Landos. Tessa leaned over and tenderly kissed Stella on the cheek before sleep claimed her. To be continued in episode three. Thank you for listening. I'd like to thank our players, Ariel Strauss-Brulin, Janae Ray-Spano, Jay Blanchard, Raymond Brent, Mo Melton, Tom Conkle, and Jay Cusper-Wall. Also, I'd like to thank for their audio engineering, XB Podcasters. If you would like to support this podcast and be a part of a superb theatrical community, as well as enjoy the benefits such as your name mentioned at the air at the end of the broadcast, I get this time, um, also your name in the credits, or several other things. There's going to be a lot of new stuff that's going to be coming up on Patreon. Just check out the link in this episode for the notes, and it'll tell you more about becoming a patron and helping to keep Sherry's Playhouse going. Thank you.